I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Or excuse me, stop, go back. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Y'all thought we were hitting rewind there for a minute there, didn't you? Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 8 and 9 this morning. We're just looking at two verses. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 8 through 9. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, turn to page 155 in the Pew Bible. Page 155 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, then uh, we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you and take that. It's yours. It's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and, and use it. It'll certainly bless your life. Deuteronomy 24, 8 and 9. You know, you, you never have to teach a rebellion to a child, do you? Children just come to that naturally. Uh, you don't have to teach them that now. You have to teach them really, you have to work really hard to teach them obedience, but you don't have to do anything to teach them rebellion, right? Uh, Brother Elva, I bet you never had to teach Heath rebellion, did you? He had that right on down there. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes natural to us, right? We are, by our very nature, we are rebellious. I was rebellious as, as a kid. I was rebellious against my parents. Gabby, uh, she's, a, she's a good daughter, but she's had her moments of rebellion, right? Uh, and, and my parents before me, they were rebellious to their parents. It just comes natural. It comes natural to us. I mean, by nature, we are rebellious. We are rebellious against uh, our parents. We're rebellious against government. We're rebellious against God. By our very nature, we are rebellious but as followers of Jesus Christ when we come into a relationship with Christ when the spirit of the Lord indwells us he changes that nature and, and though we we still fight against it now God has given us the desire and the ability to heed God ordained authority and that's what God calls us to do. As children of God, as, as a people of the Lord, we are called to heed God-ordained authority. And, and that's the, the heart of today's message. In these two verses, we're going to see that message come out. Take care to heed God-ordained authority. Take care to heed God-ordained authority. That's the sermon in a sentence. So remember that. Now, as we are moving through Deuteronomy, we're now moving into a, a new section in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, this part of De Deuteronomy, the section here, uh, this section reflects the spirit of not the ninth commandment. Now, you remember the ninth commandment states, do not bear, you shall not bear false witness. Do not bear false witness. And the spirit of that commandment is to love your neighbor, to a commitment to loving your neighbor, the ninth commandment itself, calls us to commit to loving our neighbor through truth, by being a people of the truth, by seeking the truth, speaking the truth, and sharing the truth. But broadly, this brings us uh, to this idea of a commitment to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And so as we get into this section of Deuteronomy, which goes from Deuteronomy 24, 8 through uh, verse 16, we see it, it goes beyond just seeking, speaking, and sharing truth to broadly this kind of idea of committing to loving our neighbor as ourselves. And that begins by loving those whom God has placed in authority over us by heeding God-ordained authority. And so today, from this, this text, these two verses, I want to show you two ways that we heed God-ordained authority. Two ways that we heed God-ordained authority, followed by one warning. Moses sounds the warning here as he calls us to heed God-ordained authority. So if you found your place there in Deuteronomy, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Take care in a case of leprous disease to be very careful to do according to all that the Levitical priest shall direct you. As I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, today we, we pray that you would write its eternal truth on all our hearts, Lord. Lord, let us see the intent of this, this text. And Lord, show us how we can apply it now to our lives and our day and time, Lord. Lord, we want to seek you, and we want to live first and foremost in obedience to your will. So Lord, show us today, reveal to us, your will. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now let's begin looking at this text by kind of looking at some of these details. On the, the surface, this text seems to be about legislating leprosy. I mean, that's how he starts it off, right? Take care in the case of leprous disease. Now, uh, when we talk about leprosy in the Old Testament, uh, leprosy in the Old Testament is broader than what we might think of today of. We, we think of leprosy in the, the sense of Hansen's disease, a very uh, severe uh, skin disease that, that people can, can have. It can actually be treated with uh, antibiotics, I believe it is. Uh, so they, they, it can be treated, although it wasn't able, able to be treated back in that day. It is able to be treated now. But when you look at the Old Testament... When they talk about leprosy, they, they, they use it as a, a broader term than what we think of it. We just associate it with Hansen's disease. They associate it with all kinds of things. In fact, uh, leprosy is legislated, right, back in Leviticus chapters 13 through 14. So two chapters in Leviticus are given to legislating leprosy, and it deals with all kinds of skin rashes and irritations, and it goes on to uh, mold and funguses that appear in the house and, and the warp and the wolf and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and so it, it deals with a lots of different things. And so Moses are, has already given the legislation on that, and now he kind of just brings it in to his sermon here as he's preaching to the people of Israel there on the plains of Moab. 
But the case here is Moses is, is not really that concerned about legislating leprosy. He's already done that. Uh, he's got some other intent as he's bringing that into play in this sermon that he's preaching. And his, his focus here is not really on leprosy. He's just using that as a, a backdrop to, to bring to mind a, a principle to heed God-ordained authority. He wants to, to give this scenario, right? The scenario uh, of what might happen in the, the land of promise to remind them to heed God-ordained authority. He's already talked about this some as he talked about the authorities that would come up in the land of Israel, and now he's bringing it back to mind as he talks about our commitments to others, our commitment to love others, and now he, he shares with us to love others, to love those God-ordained authorities by heeding their authority. And so I want us to see that here in our text. And so notice how we are to heed God-ordained God authority. First, we are to heed God-ordained authority with diligence. We're to heed God-ordained authority with diligence. Take care, in the case of leprous disease, to be very careful to do according to all that the Levitical priest shall direct you. So here is one of those authorities, right? The, the Levitical priests were the ones whom God put in authority over religious matters, but also in the case of leprosy, and they were the ones who were to, to govern how to treat that leprous disease and how to take care of it. And, and so he, he's bringing to mind this authority, this authority, this religious authority there in Israel. And he says, take care to take care that you heed everything they say, right? Take care that you take care. When he, he says that, that first little phrase there, take care to be very careful, take care and to careful, to be careful, is the same verb. It's the same verb. It's just used in a, a different uh, kind of sense. In the first, it's a, an imperative, the voice of command. Take care. Pay attention. Be sure to do this. Listen to me. This is important, right? Take care that you do this. And then it's an infinitive to take care. Take care to take care to do all that they tell you to do. So he, he's telling us to be diligent, in, or he's telling the Israelites to be diligent in their obedience to the Levitical priests in this matter. But does it just pertain to this matter? No, it pertains to every matter, right? And all God-ordained authority, you are to take care, to take care that you heed their authority. That, that's the point he's trying to drive home here. Take care that you take care that you heed God-ordained authority. Be diligent in your obedience and your heeding of God-ordained authority. You are to heed their authority with a sense of devotion, be sure to do this. Listen, guys, right? That's what Moses is saying. Take care. Take care. Do this with diligence. Do this with devotion to heed God-ordained authority. But not only to be devoted in your obedience, 
Not just to, in your devotion to these authorities, but also be detailed in your obedience. Take care to be very careful to do according to all that the Levitical priests shall direct you to do. We're to be very diligent. The people of Israel here are to be very diligent as they heed the authority, this God-ordained authority in their lives. We're to be devoted to the authorities. I mean, this applies to us today, doesn't it? God still calls us to be devoted to God-ordained authorities. We're to take care, to take care, to heed God-ordained authorities, those authorities that God has put in place in our lives. And we're to be very detailed in our obedience of these authorities. We're to follow their leadership. We're to follow their rule in a very detailed manner. We're to do all that they command us to do. Now, that has limits, and we'll talk about that limit here in a minute. But we're to be detailed in it. We're not to cherry-pick how we want to be obedient. Have you ever cherry-picked what rules you wanted to apply to yourself? I mean, maybe even at home, right? Well, mom and dad, they, uh, I, I kind of like uh, doing this chore, and this is fun to me, so I'm going to do that. But uh, she, mama to also told me to do the dishes. I don't really want to do that, so I'm going to go do this, and I don't worry about that. In life, there are rules that uh, apply to us in life. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I kind of like to speed. I, I have a heavy foot. I'll just be honest. I, I, I like to drive the speed limit. Uh, and, and, you know, I have to really watch myself to, to pull back and, and to not speed. And Marybeth is always having to punch me in the, in the gut, making sure that I, I'm not speeding, right? So, and, and that's the way it is. We, we like to cherry pick sometimes what we want to obey, what rules, what laws we want to obey. But we're called to heed with a sense of diligence, God-ordained authority. So yes, even though I want to speed, I need to pull off that accelerator and drive the speed limit because I need to heed God-ordained authority. Mary's going to remind me of that the next time we get in the vehicle and we go somewhere and I start uh, slipping up there on my speed. I'm, I know she's going to remind me of this sermon, so I'm just looking forward to that. I'm going to have to watch my speed from now on. But that's, why we're, that's what God calls us to do, right? We're called to heed with diligence God-ordained authority and not cherry-pick what we want to obey and what we do not want to obey. We're to take care to diligently heed God-ordained authority. But not only are we to heed God-ordained authority with diligence, we're also called to heed God-ordained authority as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Now, look what he says here in the next little part of verse 8. As I commanded them, so shall you be careful to do. As I, who's that? The Lord God as I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. We're to heed God-ordained authority as unto the Lord, as unto God. Now, in this sense, 
It's to obey them as unto the Lord as uh, they receive God's biblical guidance, right? Because Moses has already given them back there in Leviticus. He's already given the Levites how they are to, to take care of leprosy, and he's kind of legislated that for them. So, so they're going back, and they're reflecting on, on God's Word, and they're taking God's Word, and they're applying it to the Israelites. And so as they, as they administer God's Word, as they proclaim God's Word, as they demonstrate God's Word, the people of Israel are to diligently follow their leadership, their authority, as unto the Lord, because it is unto the Lord, right? This is the Lord's commandment that they are putting in place in the nation of Israel. And so this certainly applies to uh, church leadership. As pastors lead the church in church leadership, as they lead them biblically, as I lead this church, from a biblical standpoint, as I declare to you today, thus saith the Lord, right? If I, I'm preaching the Word, as I, I'm applying the Word to the life of the church, then God says, heed that authority as unto the Lord. Because it's God's Word working its way out in the life and ministry of the church. So heed authority that God ordained authority as unto the Lord as that authority is administered from the Bible as God's word is being declared and and applied to the life of the church or your children children if your your parents are leading you and they're saying here here's what God's word says follow that guidance as unto the Lord because that is the Lord's will the bible is the lord's will how do we know god's will but through holy scripture so as it is administered through biblical guidance but also we're to heed god ordained authority as unto the lord even as god's providential guidance works its way out in the life of even pagan kings and pagan rulers right not every authority that is put over us is a godly authority, but that doesn't change that that authority is a God-ordained authority. You, you take the Israelites a few hundred years from this point in, in the Bible, long after Moses, long after David, and uh, uh, we get to the exile when, when Nebuchadnezzar comes in with Babylon. And they take control of Jerusalem and Judea. And they send the, the exiles out into the different nations. Now all of a sudden, there's not a godly authority. There's a pagan. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan. He worshipped idols. Nevertheless, God said, heed Nebuchadnezzar's authority. God said, Nebuchadnezzar is my, he's my king. I put him in place. I've got a purpose. I've got a reason for him. And so he told the Israelites through the prophets, this is my shepherd. I put him in place. Heed his authority. Settle into the land. Build houses. 
set the crops, live for the good of Nebuchadnezzar. Heed his authority. We're to heed him. Heed that authority even as God providentially works through them. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't seeking God. Nevertheless, God was providentially using Nebuchadnezzar to accomplish his will. Romans 13 verse 1 tells us, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So whether you like the current administration or not, Joe Biden is in place. He's the president of the United States because God ordained him to be president of the United States. And whomever wins the next election... God will ordain that person to win and they will be in a position of authority because God put them there. Whether you like it or not, God is sovereign, He is in control, and there is not one person ruling in the world today who hasn't been placed there for some reason, some purpose, even though we might not understand it, He has been put there or she has been put there by the power of God. Whatever authority might be over you, that person is there through the sovereignty and the power of God. Even Jesus told Pilate, you remember? There Jesus was standing before Pilate. And Pilate said, don't you know? Will you not answer me? Don't you know that I have the, the authority to give you life or put you to death? And Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Jesus recognized. He affirmed that every authority is put in place by God. So we're to heed God-ordained authority as unto the Lord. Whether they're guiding us through the Bible or guiding us through God's providential guidance, His leadership. Now, that brings the question then, is it ever okay not to heed God-ordained authority? I mean, what if they tell us to do something that's in conflict with God's Word? Yes, right? It is, there is a time, there is a place, there is a moment where we say, we go this far and no further. And that line is at God's Word. When anyone tries to tell us to do something that is contrary to God's Word, then yes, we protest. We peacefully protest. We don't heed that authority. We heed a higher authority that is far above any worldly authority. We heed God's authority first and foremost. Take, for example, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Da Daniel's buddies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were faithful to heed all the governing authorities. 
right? They and Daniel, they, they rose in the ranks of the wise men there in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar admired them. He valued their wisdom, their input. And they served the king with gladness. They did what they could to promote his, his authority, to, to promote him and to bring him great reward, right? They did things to benefit the king. Even though he was a pagan king, they worked to honor him and to heed that authority. They did it until King Nebuchadnezzar built his big golden idol and set it up and said, whenever you hear the sound of the music, the horns and the strings and all those things, when you hear the sound of the music, everyone in the kingdom must bow down and worship the idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the music played, they refused. And when King Nebuchadnezzar asked them, why? There is but one God, and we worship Yahweh alone. We cannot bow to any other God. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And he said, if you, don't, if you don't bow down to this God, I'll throw you in the furnace. They said, nevertheless, Nebuchadnezzar, our God, he has the power to save us. If you throw us in the furnace, our God has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, nevertheless, we will not bow down to any other idol, any other God. We worship Yahweh alone. And of course, you know the rest of the story. Nebuchadnezzar threw them in. And when he looked into the flames, instead of three, he saw four. Because there was God walking in their midst. So yes, we do peacefully. Right? They didn't throw a riot. In that, that, that passage we read in Acts earlier today. Right? The people of Ephesus, they, they, they stirred up a riot. The, the silversmith stirred up a riot. That's not how we're to be. God's people aren't, aren't to throw a riot. They're not to attack and kill. But we peacefully protest. We will not bow down to any other God. And we will not disobey the Lord our God. We follow His leadership above any other. So we heed God-ordained authority. We heed it as long as it, it stays within the bounds of, of God's will, as long as it stays within the bounds of, of God's Word and what He commands us. We obey it. We heed it. We follow it. We seek the good of that authority. We pray for our leaders. Until they tell us to go against God. And then we quietly say, I can't do that. I serve Jesus Christ. There's no authority except from 
God. Therefore, take care to diligently heed God-ordained authority. As long as that authority doesn't go beyond God, as long as that authority doesn't tell you to do something contrary to God's Word, we are called to heed that authority and submit to that authority. So we're to heed God-ordained authority with diligence and as unto the Lord. But then before moving on to the next section here, Moses sounds a warning for us. And this is kind of a strange thing, and it brings lots of questions to us when we read this. He, He warns us about Miriam, right? Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. What's this? What's this thing about Miriam? What's this here for? Why does he he bring Miriam into this text? Now, you remember who Miriam is? Hopefully, maybe. Miriam was Moses' older older sister. She was the one who, when Moses was born and and they were supposed to throw him into the Nile, she put him in a a basket and and set him out there where Pharaoh's daughter would would find him. And so she she put him out there and and made sure that uh, he was found. And when, when the woman found Moses and said, hey, uh, go, go get a, a wet nurse for this child. I'm going to adopt this child and make him my own and go get a wet nurse. She, Miriam went and got Moses' mother and brought uh, her, her mother to the, the scene. And so Moses was able to be actually raised by his mother and uh, taken care of by his mother. And then um, she was a big part of Moses' life, right? And when they came out of Egypt... She is identified as a prophetess unto the Lord, and she led the, the, the spirit-filled women in worship. And so Miriam herself was in a, a place of, of leadership, a place of authority in the house of Israel. She was an, a very important part of the people of Israel, their life in this time as they wandered through the wilderness these 40-some-odd years. And so she is a, an important person in this whole story, but he brings to mind not the good things, but the one bad thing, right? The, the one bad thing about Miriam's life, as Scripture records, and that is this episode where she rebelled against Moses' authority. That's why it's here, right? Because this is not just about leprosy. The idea here is not about leprosy. This has to do with authority, In Numbers chapter 12, we see the whole incident unfolding. Miriam and Aaron, if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron, that's Moses' brother, who was also the high priest. But Miriam, she's placed first, so she's the one who led in this insurrection. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Now, there's lots of questions here. Now, if you're thinking about Moses and his life, uh, you know that uh, his wife was originally a Midianite, right? She was a Midianite. She was identified as a Midianite. And, And so now why is this say that she is a Cushite? Well, there's a lot of different opinions about why she's identified here as a Cushite. Uh, one, Scripture in other places puts 
the Midianites and the Cushites together. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 7 says, I saw the tents of Cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian with, uh, did tremble. And so that text kind of puts them together and kind of identifies them as the same people. So she could just be using another term for this uh, Zipporah's, that uh, was her name, Zipporah's uh, heritage. So identifying her as a Cushite instead of a Midianite. Uh, it could be that something happened to Zipporah and she's passed away and she's no longer there. So Mary, uh, Moses married another woman. He, he remarried and, and married a Cushite. In that sense, the, the Cushite would be Cush was a, a land south of Egypt where modern-day Ethiopia is. And so it could be that she was a woman from the land of Cush, and this is a second wife. Uh, whatever the case may be, it, it's meant to be a derogatory term. right? That's what she's getting at. Whether this is Zipporah or a second wife, it's meant to be a derogative term in this setting. They spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. In other words, what's this deal with Moses' wife? She's not an Israelite. She's not of our ethnicity. It was a kind of a, a racial slur. What's the deal with Moses and this ra uh, Cushite woman? How, how, how dare he stain our heritage with such a woman as this? But that wasn't the real problem, right? That was just the, the thing she chose to, the, the button she chose to push. That was the thing that she, she figured she could get the most people riled up about. But as she goes on, we see that it's not about the Cushite woman. It's really about Moses' authority. It's really about Moses' authority. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly... The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of, of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward, and, and he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is, a, he is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then... Were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous. 
like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord. And God, oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp, even seven days. And after that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So here, the issue was not Moses' Cushite wife. The issue was Moses' leadership. Has God just talked through Moses only? Haven't Aaron and I, haven't, haven't we received a word from the Lord? Why is Moses such a big deal? Why can't we be a big deal? You see, she had pride. She allowed pride to well up in her heart. Instead of heeding God-ordained authority that God had placed over her, heeding her little brother Moses' authority, and oh, she allowed pride to build up in her heart. Instead of accepting that authority and heeding that authority, she rebelled against that authority. Let me warn you. Hear the warning of the text. Pride humiliates. Pride humiliates. God makes it clear, not only here, but throughout Scripture. When we allow pride to well up inside us, especially as people of God, when we allow pride to well up inside us and cause us to go against God's Word, to cause us to riot against God-ordained authority instead of heeding it, God will bring us low. If we allow ourselves to well up in pride, God will somehow, some way, humiliate us. Now there's many in the world who allow their pride to rule over their lives. And one day in the day of judgment, unless the Lord convicts their hearts and turns their hearts to Christ, one day in the judgment, He will certainly humiliate them. And they would bow down before the Lord our God in humiliation. But be careful, people of God. For the Father disciplines those whom He loves. If you allow your pride and your arrogance to cause you not to follow His Word and not heed God-ordained authority, then He will humble you. But also notice this, that humility is exalted. Moses is identified here as being humble, more meek than anyone else. And God exalts him. He celebrates that humility. 
Pride humiliates. Well, humility exalts. Take care not to allow sinful pride to keep you from heeding God-ordained authority lest the Lord give you a big dose of humility. Take care to heed God-ordained authority. And we have as our wonderful example our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For even the Scriptures say, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with with God a thing to be grasped. But He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, we are to humble ourselves just as Jesus humbled Himself to heed those God-ordained authorities that God has put in our lives. Jesus heeded to the Father's will, the Father's authority in His life. And even then, He came and He heeded to the ruling authorities, even as, as the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the Sanhedrin were, were condemning Him to death, He heeded to that authority. When Pilate says, don't you know, he heeded to that authority. He humbled himself and heeded that God-ordained authority, thereby fulfilling his Father's ultimate will. But we're called to do the same. Heed, take care to heed God-ordained authority. And aren't we glad that Jesus heeded his Father's authority? And came and humbled himself and died on the cross for our sins. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, we're celebrating that sacrifice because he allowed his body to be broken. He allowed his blood to be poured out so that we could have life in him. Let's follow his example. And dear friend, if you don't know Jesus... If you're still living in rebellion, not just against government authorities or or whatever, parental authorities or whatever, you're living in rebellion against God's authority. Today, look to Jesus. Humble your heart and look to Christ. He will bring you out of that rebellion and give you new life, eternal life, if you'll just trust Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus' willingness to humble himself to come and die for us. And Lord, we recognize that it's only in Jesus that we can not only live in obedience, but we can joyfully live in obedience to those God-ordained authorities that you have put in our lives. 
Lord, help us in that. Through the power of your Spirit, help us to take care, to heed God-ordained authorities wherever they're found in our lives. And in all of that, Lord, we are ultimately heeding to your authority. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. And Lord, if there's any today who don't know Jesus, through all the things that are spoken here today, I pray that something touch their hearts. And Lord, that they would turn to Christ, receive Him, and gain eternal life in this very moment. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.